0: Bishop Desmond Tutu said, you don't choose your family. They are God's gift to you, as you are to them. In part two of his message, The Importance of Family, John will give some thoughts about family that will help us protect and preserve this precious gift from the Lord.
1: Just look at that list. Those are some suggestions on family relationships. Be present, be patient, be positive, be practical, and be a peacemaker. Now let's shift a gear a little, a little bit. And let's think about, or at least let me list out some closing thoughts today about family. Because family is so very important. In fact, next to our relationship with God, our relationship with our family is the most important thing in life. So let me just make four statements about the family. Number one, just a reminder today, God created the family. God created. In Genesis chapter 2, we read that God, by this time, had made the whole world and one day God was looking down from heaven over his creation at everything he had made. He was looking down at the plants, the animals, the sun, the moon, the stars. And God said, this is good, this is good, this is good, this is good. But in, in, uh, at the end of all of that, this is good, when God looked down at Adam, God said something quite different. God said, this is not good. It's not good. He said, it is not good that the man should be alone. And so God caused Adam to go to sleep. God removed one of his ribs. Out of that rib, God made Eve, and God there in the Garden of Eden performed the first wedding ceremony in the history of the world. So I'm saying today, before God created the government, before God created the church, God created the family. And so family is a very important thing. Again, when I'm doing a wedding, I try to remember to say to the young couple or whatever the age of the couple is, today you are entering into a union An institution that was created by God. And so you're doing a good thing and something that God has not only created, but He's sanctioned and He has blessed it. Second thought on the family. And this is an interesting thought. You may never have thought about this, but it it is, is nonetheless true. A family should not exist for itself. I know a lot of families that seem, I can judge no man... But they seem to exist for themselves. In other words, the idea, the the mindset of the family is, what are we going to do that's best for the family? In other words, it's almost as though, if we're not careful, we can deify the family. We can idolize the family. We can just make the family the end-all and be-all. But notice what I'm saying. You shouldn't do that. A family should not exist for itself. A family should exist to know God, to serve God, and to teach the children the importance of knowing and serving God. So family is so important. This whole sermon is about family. God made the family. But we have to remember the family doesn't exist for itself. And so a family can't just come together and say, well, what do we need to do to make our family the best? What is the best for our family? What, it, you know, it's all about the family. It's all about the family. No, it's not all about the family. It's all about God. You know, we always hear, God you, you hear football coaches say this, God first, family second, football third. And we hear that and, what, and, and we all agree with that. And, but what we focus on is the fact that the family is more important than football. And it's true, because what's second is more important than what's third. But in that logic, what's first is more important than what's second. And so, yes, family is more important than football, but God is more important than family and football. And so what we have to do in our families is to try to bring them under the authority of God and say, Lord, our family doesn't exist for itself. It's not just about family. Family always has to be second to God. And I would say this, the deepest bond that a family can form uh, is a spiritual bond. You know, I think about my family, my family of origin, and, uh, you know, we never dreamed, I never dreamed when I graduated seminary in 1995 that I would uh, work with my dad. I never, that never even crossed my mind, never even crossed his mind, And, uh, and yet God worked that out, and I'm so thankful that he did. But Our deepest bond, looking back on my life, and I was going to show you more pictures today and just didn't want to wear you out, but our deepest bond is not at the ballpark. It's not at the football field. It's not mowing yards. Our deepest bond is the fact that God has allowed us to serve Him together in the churches, in this church for these many years. I I was even looking last night. I was going through some scrapbooks in my house. I was seeing pictures of us in Israel. And we were, you know, on the Sea of Galilee at all these sites. And, and I think, you know, that our bond is, is on those, our deepest bond is, is on those levels. It's about God, and it's about the fact that He has allowed us to serve Him. And so, don't, don't deify your family. Don't put your family above God. Joshua 24, 15, Joshua said, "'As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord.'" And so I encourage you to to put your family uh, under the authority of God. Number three, and this is another interesting interesting thought, very interesting. This could be a whole other sermon by itself. As As important as family is, we should not try to find our identity in our family relationships. Our identity is found only in Jesus. This whole thing of identity and self-esteem and who am I and all this is a big deal today. The book's written on this all the time. Well, you can't find your identity in your relationship with your family. What if that relationship changes? I mean, what, I mean, a lot of things can cause that to change. And some of that would be, maybe all of that would be out of your control. But if your identity is all wrapped up in who you are because of your relationship to this other person... That's good as long as nothing ever happens with that other person. But if that relationship changes, or even if that other person dies and goes to heaven before you do, you're left down here in what is called an identity crisis. Who am I? I, don't, I, 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 can't, figure out, I can't figure out who I am. Our identity cannot come from our families. It can't come from being somebody's spouse, being somebody's parent, being somebody's child, being somebody's sibling, being somebody's friend. It can't come from our jobs. No. Our identity has to come from our relationship with Jesus. This is why they tell us that men who retire, the highest probability of death, sudden death in a man, is within the first 18 months to two years after his retirement. Now, how do you figure that? Well, The only way I can figure it is, it's easy, especially for men, but I think ladies could make the same mistake, to find our identity as, as a pastor or as a coach. I think about the legendary Bear Bryant, great coach at the University of Alabama all those years. He retired after many years, and within six months, he died. Now, it may have been purely a medical reason that he would have died had he kept coaching, but there may have been a psychological component to that, that after a man who's found his identity all these years in coaching, now he's no longer coaching, who am I? I had ESPN on this morning. I was going back and forth between... A sermon by David Jeremiah and ESPN. I couldn't figure out which was better. And I finally just went with David Jeremiah's sermon I thought was better. But on the ESPN thing I saw, it said, no, David Jeremiah said something about sports on his sermon. And here's what he said. He said, many athletes, professional athletes, retire. And they have great difficulty for the rest of their lives after they retire. And the reason is because in their 20s, they peaked. And that was who they were. And everybody's cheering for them, and everybody's wearing their autograph, and everybody in the restaurant, in the store, look, it's J.J. It's Watt. Look, it's, it's Jose Altuve. Look, 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 it's, it's, how about this? If I said today, look, it's Earl Campbell. We all love Earl Campbell. Is that as big a deal today as it was in the Love You Blue era? No. I mean, it's still, it's still, it's Earl Campbell. But Earl Campbell has kind of been taken over by J.J. Watt right? And one day J.J. Watt will be taken over by somebody else. And so if your identity is, this is, who I, this is who I'm married to, this is where I work, this is what I do, you are building your identity on sand. Our identity comes from our relationship with Jesus. Listen to me, friend. The only thing you have in your life that will never change is your relationship with Jesus Christ. Colossians 2.10, Paul said, you are complete in Him. So that's what it's all about right there is our relationship with Jesus. And then the last thing I would say today on the family, everybody needs a family. Now, I want you to turn. We're going to stop, but I want you to turn to Psalm 68. This is one of the great passages in all the Bible about families. Psalm 68, and I want to show you two verses. I don't hear anybody turning their pages in the Bible. Nobody is nobody's playing along here. Nobody's doing this. Go to Psalm 68. And verses 5 and 6, these are two great verses about the family, about God. And here's what it says. Psalm 68, look in verse 5, first of all. Let me let you find it. It says that God is a father of the fatherless. Some of you today, Father's Day is not not a happy day for you because you don't have your father on earth anymore. I can honestly say I cannot imagine what that would be like. That would be very difficult. But you need to hear this even today with your dad gone. If you're saved, God is your father. And he's a father of the fatherless. Now look at the next one. A defender of widows. We have a lot of widows in our church and a lot of widowers who've lost their spouse. That's one of the most difficult things in life. But notice what it says. God is a defender of the widows. And then it says, is God in his holy habitation? I love this next phrase in verse 6. God sets the solitary in families. I love that. God sets the solitary in families. You may be here today and you feel like, I'm solitary. I'm, I'm kind of I'm just out there floating around through life. And, and my parents have gone on to heaven. My spouse has died. Or, or maybe you never did marry and you're single and you just feel like, John, today is Father's Day. It's a big family day. But for me today, I just feel alone. And I just even feel maybe depressed and this spirit of, 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 of loneliness today. But listen to this verse. God sets the solitary in families. The greatest family that we could be a part of is the family of God. God is our Father. Jesus is our older brother. We're each other's brothers and sisters in Christ. I can say this. I don't know what people do in life who don't have God. And who don't have a church family. I don't know what they do. I I, I think I would lose my mind. I know I would lose my mind if I didn't have God. And if I didn't have Christian brothers and sisters to help me. I heard a a retired professional wrestler one night giving an interview. And the, the interviewer said to him, are you a Christian? And the retired wrestler said, no, I'm not a Christian. He said, Christianity is for weaklings. And when he said that, first of all, I could feel anger. I thought, how dare you say Christianity is for weaklings? How disrespectful for you to say something like that. I was watching on my television. And then I thought, you know that man's right. Christianity is for weaklings. What that man doesn't understand is just how truly weak he is. Paul said, when I'm weak, then I'm strong. Christianity is for folks. We, without Weak is not even the word. Without Jesus, we're dead in our trespasses and sins. Yes, we're weak. And yes, we need God. And yes, we need a family. And I would say to you today, especially to those who feel solitary, isolated, on the outside looking in, today if you'll give your heart to Jesus, and if you've already done that today, if you'll come be a part of this church family, this verse will be fulfilled in your life today. God will have put the solitary in families. Well, we're going to stop right there for today, and let me ask you, are you a part of God's family? Has there ever been a time in your life when you recognized that you were a sinner? That is, that you have done things in your life, just like I have and just like everybody has, that are wrong, that did not measure up to God's standards, and that need to be forgiven. And I can remember the time in my life where the Holy Spirit of God just convicted me of my own sinfulness And I knew that I needed to be forgiven, and I knew that I needed Jesus Christ to come into my heart. And I asked him to forgive me, and I asked him to save me. He did that. And He changed my life. And I'm asking you today, have you ever done that? Has there ever been a time in your life when you have received Jesus as your Lord and Savior? And if not, I want to lead you in a prayer right now where you can open your heart, where you can receive Jesus Christ and be forgiven of all your sins. Would you just pray these words to the Lord now? Wherever you might be, in your house, in a car, in a hospital, wherever you are, just pray this. Say, Lord Jesus, I need You in my life. I'm sorry for my sins please forgive me. Come into my heart. Make me a Christian. Make me part of the family of God. And thank you that you'll never leave me. In your name I pray. Amen. And friend, I can assure you today on the authority of God's Word, if you prayed that prayer, God has heard it, God has answered it, and God has saved your soul and forgiven all your sins. And so today really is the first day of the rest of your life. Today you get a new beginning. And whatever uh, date today is when you're listening to this program, this is your spiritual birthday. And I want to just say to you, congratulations and welcome to the family of God. You know, when I think about what it means to be a part of God's family, so many things come into my mind. First of all, as we've just said, it means that that we are saved, that we are forgiven, that we will live forever with God in heaven, That that one day when our bodies die, that we won't die. You know, the Scripture says that, All of us uh, will die. Our bodies will, will one day die. It says in the Old Testament that there's a time to be born and there's a time to die. It says in the New Testament, it has been appointed unto man once to die and after that the judgment. And so we have an appointment with death. But the good news is, as Christians, the only thing that will die will be our bodies. Our spirits, our souls will slip right out of our bodies and go to be with God in heaven. And we'll live with him forever there. And that's the greatest part about being a Christian. We don't have to fear death. We have life even after our bodies die. And that life is in heaven with God. Another great thing about being part of the family of God is not just about what will happen one day when we go to heaven, But it's about what happens now, right here on earth. First, we become a part of the family of God on earth. That is, when we receive Jesus Christ, in that moment, not only do we receive God as our Father, not only do we receive Jesus as our Savior, but all the other Christians in the world become our brothers and sisters in Christ and so we're part of a family. Now, you may come from a great family. You may have a big old family with lots of brothers and sisters and kids and cousins and aunts and uncles and all that. And that's a wonderful blessing. You may come from a really small family. And maybe lots of your family's already gone to heaven now. And you just kind of feel very much alone in that sense. But the good news is, as a Christian, you're part of God's family. And every other Christian is an extension of your family in Jesus Christ. And so this is the importance of the church. And this is why I always encourage people, wherever they may live, to find a good church in your area that teaches the Bible, that clearly teaches the only way to be saved is through Jesus Christ, and become a part of that church. Get to know people in that church and encourage your pastor, encourage your staff, encourage the leadership of that church, and find a place in that church where you can serve. There's something in a church in your area that you can do. Maybe it's to uh, to be an usher or a greeter, to pass out bulletins, or to visit people in the hospital, or to teach a Sunday school class, or to work with students or with children. There's something in that church that you can do. That church needs you, and when we become part of the family of God, we need to to link up, to hook up with a body of believers, a local church. There are a lot of people who just don't think the church is very important. Their attitude is, well, I don't need the church. I I can pray anywhere I am. I can talk to God anywhere I go, and that's true, but we still need the church. It says in the Bible that we should not forsake the assembling of ourselves together. So I encourage you to find a good church, get involved in that church, and uh, make that church a better church. Another thing that happens when we become a Christian and we become part of the family of God, did you know that from that moment on, here's what it means. It means that we are never alone. We're never alone because Jesus Christ in the person of the Holy Spirit is living in our hearts, and Jesus has has said, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. And so loneliness is a real problem in the world today. And we've all had feelings and seasons of life where where we felt lonely. And maybe you're in one of those seasons right now. Maybe you've just moved, graduated high school, moved off to college, and there you are in your dorm room, and you just feel alone. You feel isolated. You miss your family. You miss your friends. uh, You miss your hometown church. And here you are in this college environment, and you just feel so alone. Let me tell you something, friend. Jesus Christ is right in that dorm room with you. You're not alone. He is with you in that dorm room. He is with you in that hospital room. He is with you wherever you are. And one of the things I'm most thankful for about being a Christian is that I am never alone. Many listening today, you feel alone because you live alone. And that can be a very challenging thing. I live alone. And I know in my own life sometimes that, that there, there are lonely seasons and lonely moments when you live alone. But anytime I feel that coming on me, I have to remind myself I may feel alone. It may look like I'm all alone in this house, but I'm not alone. Jesus Christ is right there with me, and I am never alone. Sometimes we have to pray and ask God, Lord, give me an awareness of your presence. We never have to pray for God to be with us. He's promised to be with us. But sometimes we have to pray and say, God, give me an awareness of your presence. Help me to know and to remember that you are right here with me now. And, you know, one, one thing that helps when we talk about loneliness and the promise that we're never alone we have to stand on the Word of God, and we have to stand on those promises where God has promised that he would never leave us, he would never forsake us, that, that he would always be with us. He says in the Bible, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. And so sometimes we don't feel that presence, and sometimes we don't. it just doesn't seem like he's there. And in those moments, we have to decide, am I going to live my life based on how I feel or what I see, or am I going to live my life based on what God has said? And God has said that he is with me right here and he is with me right now. And so what I'm saying to every Christian listening to this program today, wherever you may be and whatever in the world you may be going through, you're not alone. God is right there with you. And I have found in my own life, experiences that I've been through, that when I really... Was up against it and really going through something difficult. It was just like God gave me an awareness of His presence and God helped me to understand that I was not alone, that He is right there with me. And what He's doing in those moments, He's teaching us to walk by faith. We can't see Him. The Bible is clear about that. We walk by faith and not by sight. But as we trust the Lord and move forward by faith, He promises to honor that faith, and he promises to help us. Another thing I love about being part of the family of God is that since Jesus Christ is living on the inside of us, we have every reason to have confidence and to have courage in our lives. And I can remember uh, very recently I was even praying about something in my own life, and I said, "'God, give me confidence in this area.'" Give me confidence here. Help me not to be timid. Help me not to be afraid. Help me to have courage and help me to have confidence. And, you know, as soon as I prayed that to God, I started thinking about that word confidence. And I started thinking about what that word means. And if you break that word down, the prefix, the first three letters, C-O-N, it literally means with, the preposition with. And the rest of that word in English, we would say fidence or fidence. It comes from the word faith, uh, fideo, we might would say. So the word confidence literally means with faith. And I was praying to God and I said, God, give me confidence. And you know, it was like God just spoke to me and said, John, you can have confidence If you will travel with faith, if you will go with faith, if you will move forward with faith. And so this whole idea of having confidence and courage, it's not so much that we ask God to give it to us and he gives it to us as it is that we say, God, I'm making a decision to move forward by faith. And when we make that decision to go with faith and to trust God, even when we feel afraid, that's when our confidence level really grows. And so that's one of the things I love about being part of God's family is that I have Jesus Christ living in me. And I love that Bible verse, Philippians 4.13, where Paul said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And I want to say that to you today. Whatever you're facing, you can do it. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. You may not feel like you can do it. It may not look like you can do it, uh, but you can do it because Jesus Christ is living on the inside of you. That's That's all included in being part of the family of God. And so again, I want to just say today that if you're saved, you're in God's family, and I would encourage you to find a good church and get plugged in there in the family that you have whether it's a large family or a small family whether it's a functional healthy family or maybe it's a dysfunctional family. You think about some of the things we've talked about today and you do your part to be the best family member to your other family members that you can. Pray for them, love them, encourage them, be kind to them, lift them up, forgive them. In family relationships, we have to forgive each other a lot because in close relationships, uh, we get hurt and we say things sometimes we shouldn't say. But trust God, go with God, and I hope you'll have a great day.
0: We hope that today's message entitled, The Importance of Family, Part 2, has been an encouragement to you. You can find this message and Part 1, along with many others on the web, at www.peacebybelieving.org. Thank you for listening today, and we look forward to you joining us on the next Peace by Believing with John Redmond.